Hello and welcome to the Campus Mission, where we discuss everything related to college life through the Christian lens. Catholic campus ministers from across the state of West Virginia come together to fix your life. The email, thecampusmissionwv at gmail.com, thecampusmissionwv at gmail.com. Send us your questions and we will answer them mostly correctly every single time. Welcome. All right. Welcome back to the Campus Mission Podcast. This week, we're diving into a topic that should be very near and dear to most college students, Resisting Happiness, which happens to be the title of a book by the best-selling author, Matthew Kelly. We'll be using that very book as the springboard for our conversation here today. My name is Patrick Meinster. I'm the campus minister at Fairmont State University. On call with me today are the wonderful campus ministers from across the whole state of West Virginia, Shirley Carter from West Liberty and Bethany College, Nick Chancey from Marshall University, and Ross Semler from Shepherd University. Did I get that right, Ross? Yeah. <laughs> the four of us have done extensive reading on the first, shall we say, five pages of Matthew Kelly's book. Obviously, that makes us experts. We're totally qualified to talk about this. Today, we intend to ramble and banter, and occasionally we might say something worth hearing. The topic, as I said, should resonate with most college students, perhaps not in a good way. I think it's fair to say that we all have, as part of our human nature, a deep desire for happiness. I think it's also fair to say that oftentimes the biggest obstacle to finding that happiness is ourselves. Mr. Kelly calls this, uh, this concept resistance. He goes into detail talking about it. Uh, it's clear, though, that it takes on different forms for different people. So he suggests, at the end of this chapter, writing down all the ways you actually encounter this resistance in your day-to-day life. But I think, we were talking earlier, I think Nick might be the only one among us who actually did his homework. The rest of, the rest of us, ironically, uh, didn't. We thought about it and then didn't. But Nick, Nick beat the resistance this week. So Nick, what do you have to say? Uh, you know, resistance is a thing, uh, and it's something all of us deal with. I, I did. So at the end of each of these chapters in Matthew Kelly's book, um, Resisting Happiness, uh, there's an action step, right? There's something, there's a concrete thing that you can do. And so at the end of chapter one, the action step was write down every time you encounter resistance this week. Well, uh, in, in fairness, I did not write down every single time that I encountered resistance because uh, I would probably have a resistance journal. Uh, and to take the time to make a resistance journal uh, would require more effort than I wanted to put in. So I uh, unfortunately didn't resist happiness in that, <laughs> in that example. Uh, but I did write down a few things um, that uh, I, uh, I do struggle with uh, daily or weekly. Um, one of them being, and, it, and it's an example listed in chapter one of the book here, uh, the, the, the very first challenge of your day is the alarm goes off. You have the choice to hit that snooze button or get right up out of bed. If you hit the snooze button, uh, according to Matthew Kelly, you have lost the first challenge of the day. So the question is, do you want to start your day losing the first fight, losing the first challenge? Uh, I, I am just as guilty as, as anybody of just clicking, clicking snooze on that phone. My phone goes off. 
Uh, and I more times than not say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking an extra five or 10 minutes. Um, but you know what, since I wrote it down, all right. And I actually took the time to think about it. There were a couple mornings this past week where I said, darn it, I'm not losing my first fight of the day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out of bed. And I did. Uh, the alarm went off and I was able to push myself uh, into my slippers to go and brush my teeth. Was I, uh, was I miserable? <laughs> yeah, sure. I wasn't as, uh, you know, as, uh, as uh, 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 excited about it, maybe if I got the extra 10 minutes or whatever, but, uh, but I won that first challenge of the day. And that's what impact outlook. did that have? What impact did that have on the rest of your day? Having won that yeah. first move? You know, I will say uh, by not giving in to uh, that desire for, as, as Matthew Kelly says here, like happiness um, in that, in that regard, it, it kind of sets the tone, right? I am, I jump right into the day and I just get going. That kind of, that, that frames everything else, right? So for instance, uh, a few other things that I wrote down, uh, that I, you know, struggle with, uh, is resisting the temptation to just mindlessly scroll on my phone. Uh, it's yeah. right there. And there's, you know, social media apps, there's news apps, you know. And so it's, it's so tempting to just pick up my phone and mindlessly scroll and lose who knows how much time doing that. But when you start the day, actually uh, just getting up and beating that first challenge, uh, I did notice I was a bit more focused. Not to say that I never, you know, uh, looked at my phone or scrolled on my phone and things, but I guess I was a bit more aware of what I was doing. Um, and I found myself being able to focus maybe a little better because I'm thinking about focusing. And it's not that that's the, that's, I think that's sort of the whole point is you're not passively living your life. You're actively living. It. Right. That's, that's very challenging. That's very challenging to do. And all of us struggle with that. So, yeah, I can just passively every day hit the snooze a couple times and I can just passively lose two or three hours even just mindlessly scrolling. But see if I'm thinking about it, right? And I am actually thinking about how I'm using my time. What am I doing? Um, I'm a lot less likely to do that. And I'm, I'm a lot more likely to be more focused. And that's another thing that I wrote down, something that I tend to struggle with is uh, actively, consistently listening to someone that I'm talking to. My, my mind and my attention, uh, they're just always going all over the place. And so I have to work to, to listen to people. And that can be hard after like five or 10 minutes. Um, but, I, but if I'm actually thinking about what I'm doing uh, and I'm not just passively, you know, going along, I'm, I'm, I'm being really thoughtful about it. Uh, I find that my attention span is, is a lot better too. Um, so I, I think, I think there's a lot of value in that. And I think it's funny. I mean, that first chapter is four pages maybe. Um, but you get a lot, you get a lot out of it and you learn a lot. And if you actually take the time to do that action step, right, write down every time you encounter resistance this week, uh, just here's the thing, just taking the time to write down when you encounter resistance is in itself, uh, meeting that resistance head on, right? Cause you're, you're battle. Yeah. 
Exactly. So um, those are just some of the things uh, that I sort of took from, uh, you know, reading the beginning of this book and uh, seeing how I struggle with resistance. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. That, that battle that you described, that Matthew Kelly describes in really the first couple of sentences of the book, that fighting the alarm clock when you wake up, that is really a, a microcosm of a much larger, uh, it just raised his eyebrows at the word microcosm. Uh, that is really a, a, an example of a much larger battle that we fight throughout the day. I know I had a thousand examples when I was in college of, I knew what I had to do. I knew what the assignment was. I knew I was capable of doing it. But for some reason, I just couldn't start. Just couldn't do it. And I know I'm not, I must not be the only college student that feels this way. Um, but talking about waking up early, Ross, we were talking earlier about uh, about this topic, and Ross says he wakes up at, what, 5 a.m.? Or at least I try on most days. Uh, may, may I read to you for a moment? Oh, please. There, so this idea of getting up at the alarm clock, Matthew Kelly is borrowing that from St. Jose Maria Escriva. Mm-hmm. He describes something called the heroic minute and it says it is the time fixed for getting up without hesitation a supernatural reflection and up the heroic minute here you have a mortification that strengthens your will and does no harm to your body if with god's help you conquer yourself you will be well ahead for the rest of the day it's so discouraging to find oneself beaten at the first skirmish and this reminded me of a video, I think it was a YouTube video that was going around a few years ago. And I'm, oh, I'm ashamed that I can't remember what branch of the military this guy was from, but he was giving a speech on why you should make your bed every morning. Yes, why, I saw that same thing. Yeah, so you remember that. And it's, it's the same exact concept that you, the moment you wake up, you are met with a challenge. The challenge is conquering yourself, conquering your own selfish desires. Beat it. Uh, you know, ri- rise, rise to that occasion and, and win. Uh, because the, the first moment of the day, you have a battle. Don't lose. Let, don't let your first battle be lost. And then uh, it reminded me of the, the making your bed because accomplish something. The very first action of the day accomplish something. Uh, whereas so, some days I'll notice when I, when I get up early, you know, five, five thirty, what have you, I will on a bad day, this is, this is very bad, bad Ross. I will accomplish that first goal of getting up and then I will, I will make my coffee and then I will sit down. And I will just sit there and drink it, and I'll just and I'll just look around, and that's really nice. Uh, it it is it is nice to just just think about you know no one else is awake yet. This is this is awesome. But then I think, wait, no one else is awake yet. I could be uh, all all of those things that I want to do every day and say I don't have time for that. Uh, I have time now when no one else does. Everyone else is sleeping, and I could be accomplishing something. So. Uh, so there's that, but, but yes, that's a, that is a resistance. Uh, God is calling you awake. God is calling you to, to, uh, to beat the first challenge, to accomplish something as, as I start the day. And 
and I resist the call every time I hit the snooze button. Uh, Jose Maria, St. Jose Maria Escriva did not have a snooze alarm. They did not have <laughs> alarm clocks back then. But his point, uh, uh, his, his point applies nevertheless. I'm looking over. I'm, my desk happens to be in the same room as my bed. So I'm, I'm looking over there at my all, all my tossed, un, unmade blankets all over the place. <laughs> yes, win that yeah. battle. Win yep. that battle. Shirley, what do, you, what do you make of all this? Well, I resonate with everything that's been said thus far. And what Ross was saying really affirmed what I was thinking. And while Nick said it too, we have to name it. You know, I, for me, the, the war, the name of the war is resistance. But there are small battles. And, and Ross even used, I was writing down while he was speaking, Ross even used the word conquer skirmish, use the word battle. And I think, so, so the battles are, what, what are the reasons that we resist? Is it because, and it could be a different reason every day. Is it because we're feeling overwhelmed because we have so much to do? Now, I know if I have so much to do, I get so scattered, I don't do anything well, and I resist it all. So is the name of the battle over being overwhelmed? Is it um, boredom? You know, if we're bored, then how do we resist being bored? And if we don't, then we are going to aimlessly scroll on our phone. I'm picking on Nick again, or, you know, get on Facebook or sit around and drink your coffee when you could be doing something else. Is it boredom? Um, for me, oftentimes it's um, procrastination. Yeah. I have something I know I need to get done. And so, it's not some, maybe procrastination is the right word. So if you all come up with a better word after I describe it, please fill me in. I know I have to get the, the task completed, but I'm putting it off. But I'm really kind of not putting it off. I'm distracting myself. So perfect example. And I'm sure you've read, seen all these memes and stuff on Facebook that sort of give these examples. But it's like, you're going to go and start to do your dishes. But on your way into the kitchen, you notice that your floor needs swept. But as you go to get your broom, which happens to be on the porch, you realize you haven't gotten your mail. And then you go out and get your mail. And as you're bringing it in, you start looking at your bills. The next thing you know, you find yourself at your desk. And before you know it, an hour, maybe longer, has passed, and you've never gotten to the dishes. I don't know if that's really called procrastination, if that's called distraction, or what. But I think in order to conquer that battle, it's important to name what it is. Because when I am fighting the battle, then I need to say, okay, right now I am procrastinating, or I am bored, or I am distracted. So I think naming the battle is huge in terms of conquering whatever it is that's keeping you from happiness. And, it, you know, go to the entire war idea. The big war is your own happiness. And how often... Do we, we aren't fully happy because we haven't done the things that we are called to do or need to do? You know, on the flip side of that, how often do you accomplish something, whether it's eating a healthy meal or exercising or getting your bills paid or whatever, and at the end, you're really happy that you did it. But oftentimes, we just put it off for so long, for whatever reason the battle is, that it really does deter us from our own happiness. 
you always feel I know exactly what you mean. You always feel so much better whenever you finally kick whatever it is that's holding you back from accomplishing your tasks and just do the thing. Yep. You know you exactly. need to do. Yeah. And I like what you said about um, you're you're fighting a war, but you need to name it. You need to name the enemy. You need to name yep. what it is you're fighting. Matthew Kelly actually says that in the book. I'm not sure if that's what you were alluding to or if that was Green Day says around. that too. Green Day says no you're enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Green Day You gonna sing that for us? No. <laughs> uh, we legally can't, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's right here, um, um, Patrick, this, in bold print on page two. The hardest war to win is one you don't even realize you're fighting, and the hardest enemy to defeat is the one you don't even know exists. Uh, yes, so, yeah, exactly. We need to name it. We need to name it. It's so easy. I did this for years. I still do this sometimes where you just, you feel like whatever it is that's holding you back is some kind of personal character flaw that can't be overcome. That's how I felt anyway, for the longest time in college, I felt like it was somehow it was me and it wasn't a challenge that I could actually overcome. Yeah. But if you name it, suddenly it becomes uh, much more surmountable, much easier to overcome. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And even if it is you, because um, may, maybe it is something with, I know, I know that a lot of times it does have to do with some weird flaw that I have, but I think giving a name to it is, is a very concrete step in fixing it because when it's this vague idea, it's just this, I'm, I'm no good. I'm, you know, I can't accomplish anything. I can't, you know, uh, it, it becomes this overarching uh, I'm worthless sort of feeling, I guess. Well, and when, yeah. I can, when I can name it, when I can say, you know, I have a tendency to, what's a good example? I have a tendency to look around at my apartment and say, this is a mess. Uh, that's it. Well, I can name the mess as an enemy, I guess. And then, well, I can control that. I can actually do something about that. I have to make the time for it. But I, that, that is a concrete thing I can tackle. That's not a good example. Come back to me. I can do better. <laughs> I was actually going to mention that. What are some of the ways? Because today's, today's day and age, with technology being as prevalent as it is, there are a million and one ways that students can distract themselves from accomplishing the tasks that they need to accomplish. And it'll look like a different thing for every person. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the ways that you guys have seen students or maybe some of the ways that you personally have distracted yourself from accomplishing the things that you need to accomplish? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it, we live in a media age where, like you said, that there are so many things that people can distract themselves with that it's more like we live in a world of distraction and because yeah. we live in a world of distraction, what can we do to remove ourselves from those distractions mm -hmm. to be able to actually focus on the things that we need to do, actually accomplish the goals that we've set for ourselves? I think that's really more what we're looking at anymore. When you have an actual computer in your pocket that we call a phone, right, that streams all of these things that you can do all of these things with. Um, you've got to figure out a way to, you know, sort of maybe disconnect from those things. Um, but here's the thing is, again, naming, naming what it is, is crucial. 
Because once you've given it a name, like we've all said, you can tackle the thing. So if I know that I am easily distracted by uh, my, my, the, app, the news apps on my phone, okay, and I can, I can just find myself reading random news stuff. Okay, great. Well, because that, I know that about myself, I can take concrete steps, right, to try to limit those distractions as much as I can. And I've, I've actually done that. I've deleted most of the news apps from my phone so that they're not there and they're not instantly, you know, I'm not instantly able to like look through all of these things. And I actually uh, subscribe to a newspaper. That way in the morning I can read the newspaper and I can get my news fix and I can actually read local news that pertains to me personally uh, that I can actually have some type of control over versus just you know, wild, uh, you know, national headline news media stuff that I don't really, you know, uh, have much uh, say on or say in. Uh, I had so, a friend that did that, actually. I had a friend last yeah. Lent that, wanted, that he gave up all media, period, for Lent, and he subscribed to a Sunday newspaper. Yeah. And when yeah. Lent was over, he kept doing it because he was like, oh, this is actually a great way to just once a week catch up yep. on the stuff instead of getting involved in this daily soap opera of, of news. Exactly. <laughs> and what do they say? It takes two weeks or three weeks to either break a habit or form a new habit. Hmm. So yeah, Lent's the perfect time because you got six weeks there to either help you form a new habit or break an old habit. Yeah. Right. So depending on what it is, you know, you know, I didn't have to give up the news. I just needed to change the way in which I consume it. Uh, and that gives me the freedom and flexibility uh, to be able to focus more on the things that I need to accomplish. Uh, so thinking about things in that way, I think is, is helpful. So when you, quick question, this is just an aside. When you say you subscribe to a newspaper, do you mean it's literally a piece of paper that comes in the mail? Yeah, I know. It's this weird new thing. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you subscribe and uh, they, they, they print, print in, physically uh, the news on paper and uh, you get it every morning and you, you actually physically hold it in your hands. It, it's, you mean, it's not through a screen. So it's, I, it's a I've, really seen something, I've seen something similar that we use for starting fires and uh, paper <laughs> and things like that. Do you mean this? It's actually printed on there. It's funny. I, I, I had a professor uh, years ago who was talking about the, exactly this concept. And he said, uh, he said he has a, a rule of three. I, I, I don't think that's what he called it, but he said, I have three articles. I'll read three. And after that, it's a hard limit, a hard stop. I'll read three. Because the tendency is you read one and then the suggestions pop up, you read two. The suggestions pop up, you read three. And before you know it, it's you know, two and a half hours have gone by. You really haven't accomplished anything. Mm. So I've adopted that for myself. So that's a good way to stay informed and yet also uh, not go down that rabbit hole that you guys have been describing. I have like, to do that with YouTube videos. Yes. YouTube's because autoplay comes on. That's oh, terrible, isn't you know? it? And they do that. And actually, what you, were, you all were talking earlier about uh, different ways that we're distracted now. And I was going to say Netflix. I think that or not, I, I use Netflix as an example, but that style of, of, uh, of media, because 
we culturally harp on social media a lot and, and it's got some bad things about it and, I, and I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think that the autoplay feature on a lot of video platforms has been really, really bad for distracting yeah. us because, uh, you know, Netflix, I don't know if they still do this cause I haven't had Netflix for a long time now, but I used to have a feature that after you watched so many episodes of something, it's, it would say, are you still watching? And you would have to click through to, to keep, to, to watch a next episode or something. And there used to be a joke that, you know, Netflix would say, are you still watching? And you'd say, no, Netflix. Do you think I got my life together in the last three hours? <laughs> so, which is, is kind of a good point. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm sitting here wasting my life all day. You know, binge watching something became, it's actually a word used in advertisements. Like it's they, normal, they yeah, advertise TV shows saying that they're binge worthy. So right. that, that's, that is an actual word I see now in, in advertisements when that used to be a joke. That used to be like, oh yeah, I have no life. I just sit and I, and I binge watched an entire season of, of some, something or other. You know, that, that was a joke and now it's commonplace. Yeah, and I was going to mention, that's actually an excellent segue to the next point I wanted to make. Huh. These, media, these media are designed to hold your attention. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And so it actually takes effort to break out of these things. Yeah. And who can blame them? I, oh, yeah. I, I don't hold it against them at all. They're very smart at what they do. And their, their goal is to get attention and make money. They're, I don't blame them for that. Right. Well, and, and Patrick, you, you named it, right? It takes effort uh, to, to get out of this attention-captivating thing, um, which comes back to, do you want to live your life passively? and just float along through Netflix land, or do you want to live your life actively? And to the first step you can take in doing that is not hitting snooze on your alarm. That's a real legitimate practical step uh, that can hopefully maybe start to snowball as your life goes on, like legitimately. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to actually at some point begin resisting happiness and the easiest way you can do that and start doing that is with your alarm. And I, yeah, and I think that's it, it is extremely important that it be the first task, right? Because yeah. I think the snowball effect that you're talking about is going to occur to the first thing. It's going to happen to the first thing you do in any particular day. So if you win the first battle, you, you will win a lot of battles that day. But if you lose the mm-hmm. first battle you're probably going to lose a lot of battles that day. Exactly. And we're not saying, I'm trying to read college students' minds as we're sitting here trying to think of what they would think of this. Mm. We're not saying that you have to be constantly busy, constantly productive all day, every day. We actually had a whole whole podcast devoted to the idea of rest, didn't we? It was one of our earlier ones. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, So... Rest is okay. You can go back and listen to that podcast to hear what we have to say about it. Netflix isn't inherently terrible. You know, reading news articles isn't inherently terrible. But mm-hmm. you also have to not not forget that you have real work that you need to do that's important. Um, right. Real things that you need to accomplish. And if you actually accomplish those things, really your rest is going to be much more restful. I think we said that in that podcast, as a matter of fact. 
having flashbacks now. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about how you said Netflix is not an inherently bad thing. It is not bad to to watch TV. I love TV. I'm still. I said a couple of weeks ago. I'm I'm still working through Psych, uh, but uh, the I was thinking about this. We we were just talking before we started the podcast. We were talking about Blessed Carlo Acutis. Okay, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but I'm reading about him. Uh, I mean, he is he is blessed. He is on his way, very likely to. Uh, sainthood and the kid loved video games uh so yeah. obviously there's there's nothing wrong with that you 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 can be a holy person and and like that sort of thing but he did set limits on himself uh which is extremely impressive a kid that that did not did not live past 15 right is that what it is uh was setting time limits on himself as to how long he could play video games that's that puts me to shame, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean it's it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just um, putting in it putting it in its proper place. Right. Well, and it's it comes back to that concept, right? Uh, all good things in moderation, uh, mm-hmm. including video games, including Netflix, including you know whatever. Uh, yeah, those things are good mm-hmm. uh, as long as you moderate uh, the amount of those things that you take in. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I wanted to share something. Uh, it's, it's, it's another way of looking at resisting happiness, if, if you're okay with that. I've had a weird, I, I was raised on this, that it's noble to hate your job. <laughs> it, is, it is not a noble thing if you're going to do something that you enjoy. It's also noble to make less money. You know, it's not good to, uh, to, to make money. You should, you should just, it was, it was perfectly normal when I was growing up to hate your job and live paycheck to paycheck. And I thankfully married a woman who did not see things that way and was always saying that you're worth more and you should be willing to put yourself out there and apply for the thing you want to do. Um, I, I actually had moments in my uh, you know, music director job and in my campus ministry job that I actually thought about leaving, not really, I wasn't serious about it, but I, I actually thought, should I be doing this because I like it too much? And, and, and going to work is not about liking what you do. It's about, it's about hard work. And um, my wife had to kind of smack me out of it. Not really. But <laughs> no, yeah, no you're, you're worthy of doing this. You're, you're worthy of doing something that you enjoy. And in terms of music, because I do this thing on the side where, you know, I, I play, play guitar and I sing songs and I write songs and I put them out online. And I'm afraid in that regard too, to put it out there because I'm afraid of what if I'm annoying people or what if I'm not good enough or, you know, my wife will say to me, but you are good. You should be doing this. And I'd say, yeah, but there are still people out there that are better than me. 
And the answer is, so what? <laughs> you know, that one of us being good or better than somebody else, it doesn't take anything away from the other to just put yourself out there and live something that does bring you joy. And when somebody wants you, I'll just use that example, when somebody wants you to come play or, you know, you ask for a gig, uh, decide that you're worth something. Decide that you're, you're worth an amount of money, you know, because I would say, you know, oh, I don't know if I really should be asking for so much money. I mean, this is just, this is like something I enjoy doing. So it's more of a hobby than a job. And, you know, make it a jobby, you know, <laughs> make it, uh, <laughs> make it something that, you know, you can do professionally that, that let people pay you for it. Ask if you're actually good at it, don't sell yourself short. Don't resist somebody showing you real appreciation for what it is that you do. Don't resist success. Don't resist doing something that you enjoy. Uh, don't, don't resist happiness in that way. Mm. Gosh, it, reminds me of a, it reminds me of a saying, I'm sure most of you have heard it before, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. That's, and that's, exactly. a much, that's a much bigger idea, but it does, it does go back to what the, the kinds of things we were saying earlier about in that way. And just to be clear, Ross, you're, you are the, the music director at St. Leo's. Yes. And inward, is that right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, like a hobby, like music gigs that you put together on the side in your own time. But I was talking about that too. Well, yeah, specifically I was talking about uh, my, my music page online where I, where I put videos out and things like that. But I was also thinking about when I, when I became the music director at a parish because I thought, uh, I, I, you look at some of these jobs through, I don't know if it's rose-colored glasses is the right term, or if you put them on these pedestals, I guess, and you say, oh my gosh, the people that do those jobs, they, they have this wealth of experience and they do, do these grand, right. grand things. And you think, I'm, I'm not worthy of doing that. I mean, it would be a joke for me to apply for that job, right? And right. Uh, where, whereas somebody needs to slap me and say, no, you're actually good at it and you actually like doing it, just apply for it. And maybe they'll say no, maybe they'll pick somebody else. And I did apply for other jobs before that where I got turned down. But Maybe they'll say yes. Maybe they'll actually like what you're selling. You know, don't, don't. How many? How many times have you guys seen college students who are in the wrong major, and you can tell that they're in the wrong major, but they're in this major because they they don't think they're either either they don't think they're good enough to succeed at what they really want to do, or they don't think they can get a good job doing what they really want to do. How many times have you guys seen that? Because I've seen it more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. I've seen two sort of far, two, two, two different sides of that. I've seen exactly what you're talking about, where they don't do what they want to do because they're afraid that it won't get them a job, which we talked about weeks ago. We were discussing that the point of a, a college degree, has that idea has kind of been skewed, whereas we think it's, it's supposed to get a job, but it, that's not, that wasn't the intent. Uh, I also see on the flip side of that people who major in something uh, purely because they like it, but without a plan for how to use it. Yeah. Right. I, and, I have seen that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's two very, very broad extremes that, that I see in terms of that. 
Um, yeah, I see it a lot in freshmen in particular. Um, but honestly, it's one of those things that you just, you got to learn about yourself. You know, you got to, you, you're still, yeah, that's the thing in college, you're still very much building your identity. You're learning your values, who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I have seen that. But these are also people that uh, are growing a lot and they're still figuring out what they wanted. You know, when I started college 10 years ago, it, it was, it was four years, four year program. You're, you're, this is the class of 2014. It'll take you four years to get your degree. Um, I graduated in 2015 because guess what? I switched majors. Um, and that's becoming much more of a common thing where, yeah, you know, they are in this major because, well, they picked it for this reason and they're not sure that it makes sense anymore. And now uh, they, they've switched to this major and you, you, you see that a lot more frequently. It's not as, it's not as odd as it used to be. It's like, Oh, you're, you're going to switch your major. Um, Mm -hmm. That was sort of the, the, the atmosphere that surrounded that when I started school, but it's, it's a lot more commonplace now. Mm -hmm. I think it goes full circle back to what we were saying earlier to, you have to name the battle. You have to name the challenge. You have to name what, what is challenging you, you know, whether it's picking a major, whether it's a low self-esteem, I don't think that I deserve to be paid for this gig or in order to fully achieve happiness and become fully human and who we're called to be. And as Matthew Kelly says, become the best version of yourself. We've got to name the battles that we usually create ourselves that stand in our way of true happiness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like I'm barely the best imitation of myself. <laughs> it's a, a Ben Folds reference. Uh, quick, a quick thing I'll say, um, and, and Ross, just listening to you made me think of this. Um, yesterday, a friend of mine offered to buy me coffee. And anytime someone offers to buy me coffee or something like that, my instinctive knee-jerk reaction is no. I don't want you to do that. You don't need to do that. I can buy. I need to do this. But since I've been, since I uh, became a Christian, I've been taught a lot that uh, it's not good to deny someone uh, that blessing, right? It's a good thing for people to give to each other. And so that's the opportunity for that person to give. And so it made me think about, there's a temptation to resist that free gift from this person. Um, how many times do some, does someone offer to do something for you? And how often do you turn that down? You know, I think that's just another example of how we have a tendency in this sort of bigger picture to resist happiness. Because what I'm needing to resist in that moment isn't this person's charity, it's my pride. Because my pride says, I can buy that cup of coffee, I and I can do this, and I don't need your help because I can do all of this. That that's not the point. The point is, this person wants to uh, buy you a cup of coffee and and give you an act of love, and it's a beautiful thing. That's another thing you could have written down on your little action steps there, Nick. 
You know, maybe I'll just do it. I'll just do. I'll just do my resisting happiness journal. Let's just do a whole journal. You know what? Let's <laughs> just go. That's right. The more you talk about it, the more battles there are to name. Oh yeah, exactly. It's hard to uh, it's hard to accept help sometimes, isn't it? Mm. That's what I, I I read. I I know that may not be exactly what Nick said, but that's kind of what I heard. I don't know. I won't get into this at length, but I don't know if any of you have ever done the Enneagram. Um, oh, classifies yeah. personality based upon you know where you fit into your needs and and I think it's a number five don't quote me on this number if you if you self-identify as a number five it means you have no needs kind of like Nick saying I don't need you to buy my coffee I can buy right. my own coffee mm-hmm. I don't need sympathy I don't need I have no needs and that in itself is a sin type if you will it's how they many of the Enneagrams um, mm-hmm. um We're getting towards the end here. Uh, per our little tradition, we've only done it once, but I, I think it's a good one. Should I uh, close our last little segment with a St. John Paul II quote? Oh, yes. I, this That's is a this pretty is a applicable. For, absolutely. Before you do that, though, can I, yeah. I want to tell the, the listeners who this Matthew Kelly is in case they want oh, yeah. to get this book. Yeah. You know, very briefly. So if you're interested in getting the book that we're talking about, Resisting Happiness, the author is Matthew Kelly. Um, Matthew Kelly is from Australia. He is an author, an entrepreneur, a consultant. He's an international motiv- motivational speaker. Maybe you've even heard him, picked up some of his CDs, whatever. I don't know. Um, He has a consulting business in Florida that many of our more popular companies go to him for consulting. And he has a nonprofit in Cincinnati. He founded um, Dynamic Catholic, which is where you can get these books fairly cheaply. And he has a lot of really good books. He's been listed on New York Times bestseller list, um, Washington Post, a lot of specifically Catholic books, but a lot that are more secular with a Christian bent to them. Like this one, Resisting Happiness, Perfectly Yourself, I Heard God Laugh. Um, For those of you that are in Catholic parishes in the diocese, you may have got some of his free books at the holidays or at Lent or um, Easter, the Rediscovering series, Rediscovering Advent, Rediscovering Jesus. And that's a little bit about Matthew Kelly and this book. Um, If you're interested in picking it up, this isn't, we're not we're not getting any royalties from this at all, so I'm not giving a plug that you need to buy. You know, if you're interested, because it's a very simple read. It's a very simple read, and he's written something like 20 books, something like that, and they're all very simple reads, and they're all very helpful. Quite a few, uh, and his his catch. I'm sorry, and his catchphrase is what we already mentioned: becoming the best version of yourself. Yes, isn't that actually written on the book? No. So I wanted to give uh, just a a last word of a call to action to any college students who are listening to this because we've thrown a lot of information. I think we've saturated people's brains, maybe burned their ears out a little bit talking. But the action step, I just wanted to reiterate at the end of the chapter, naming the battle is the first step to winning the battle. So his action step, Matthew Kelly's action step at the end of the first chapter is write down every time you encounter resistance for a week. And I think you'll find, if any college students do this, that you will fill up an entire book worth of resistances. As Nick said, you could have a whole 
resistance diary. And that, I think, is the first step. So if you want to take real concrete action to try to improve your outlook on life, that's a really good way to start. Ross, you want to take us out with a JP2 quote? Yes. St. John Paul II says, It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provoked you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is he who reads in your heart your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be ground down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society, making the world more human and more fraternal. Mm. I was going to stop, yeah, but then I was like, oh man, there's more to this that's just so good. Okay. Oh, JP2. JP2, we love you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pray for us. All right. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. Again, we're the campus ministers for the Diocese of Wheeler Charleston. Until next time, stay safe. God bless.